Hello there, this is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the Do You Know Show, and we're bringing you bits of knowledge and information you might not have heard from people you might not know. One thing I must let you know, though, is that the views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this show and others, please log on to KUCI.org. Well, hello there. This is Calvin, as I said, and guess what, y'all? I'm broadcasting in France, Paris, France, as a matter of fact, and we're at Pauline's house. (laughs) And Pauline was gracious enough to let us record here in in her home, and so if you hear any noise in the background, that's Pauline doing something else, (laughs) so don't mind. We just so appreciate it, and I wanted to, it to have that really homey feel anyway, so I'm just, just so grateful to be here in France and to have such a, a hostess as Pauline allowing us an opportunity to record here, and you guys get an opportunity to be in Pauline's house with us, so that's a, that's a great experience. I'm going to be interviewing uh, Jamika, jo- Jamika, how you? Ajalan. Ajalan. And we're here also with, with another person from uh, from Long Beach, you know, and she's also a professor here at Irvine, and her name is Nicole Mitchell, the acclaimed flautist or flutist, whichever you prefer. And she ha- she and uh, Jamika have been friends for a, a, a really long time. So Nicole is going to act uh, as, uh, as the interviewer, and if uh, she allows me, I might come in from time to time with a question. So, uh, Nicole, just um, can you give us just a, a short synopsis of, of who you are and how you and, and Jamika uh, got an opportunity to befriend each other? Well, I want to introduce myself so much. Uh, y'all can look that up on the website uh, at UC Irvine. But Jamika Aguilar, I think, is a really special artist, and she's, you know, from, you know, I've met her and known her for 25 years now, and she's one of the most original um artists that I know of still today and she does a lot of things that I think people in America should take notice of because she's been actually living in Europe for maybe 17 years now. Yeah, almost 20 years. And and you know, this is a tradition that's been going on especially in African American arts for you know, a very long time maybe starting from the 20s where artists would come and migrate to Europe and even and stay there and continue their art, but feeling more of an environment of support than they felt at home. And this was really especially true during the times of um, segregation before the Civil Rights Movement. And I think it's kind of something that people should know that it still continues today, where artists you know, may believe and feel that they have more support and um, you know, encouragement in what they're doing with their work living outside of the U.S. today, which I think is kind of overlooked now. I think people think that things have changed, but that's one thing that I really want to talk to you about, Jamie. How, do you, how, how is it that you felt um, about staying here in Europe? What was your decision to come in the first place, and what kept you here all this time? I'm such a put-down camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, I left the States uh, a while ago with the intention of not coming back to live because I felt at the time that America was too insular 
It was to, we are the world, we are the children. Right. Like nobody else existed. Uh, it wasn't until 9-11 that suddenly everybody uh, realized that, uh, yeah, there are other people in the world and they're angry with us, you know? <laughs> and it took that to happen for a lot of people to open their eyes. So at the time, that was part of the reason why I left. But it was also because I wanted to, to find other... Um, if you will, freaks like me who lived in other places, uh, people of color, different people from different walks of life who had a similar philosophy, a mm -hmm. uh, similar uh, way of life. I think the difference between me and the people who, who came here in the 50s and 60s is that I'm not running away from uh, Jim Crow laws. Right, you know? right. It's not as uh, serious as that. And in fact, here... Uh, well, let me talk about France, since I'm in France at the moment. France is, uh, it's got its own kind of uh, very subtle and obvious uh, racism and that <laughs> uh, exists here. And the longer I stay here, the more I see it. Wow. The thing that it does, that does work here, um, for me, is that uh, the support of the arts, even though that's also declining a bit, um, is much more present there's not as much need to to get corporations involved in order to to put on events and festivals you know there's much more money that goes directly into arts and that support the artists in a way that doesn't happen in the states okay um yeah and i think there's also uh, uh because um Europe is more is much closer to other parts of Europe yeah. and then also uh, closer to Africa I think that here there's a, a, a more of a, you grow up with more of an understanding that there are other people. Mm, that exist besides yourself. That yeah. exist besides yeah. yourself, exactly. And I think people are more interculturally aware to a certain degree mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. here as well, in Europe. Yeah. So you started out in London. Um, you, you have been living and working in Chicago, and then um, you made that first decision to go. Was it these ideas that inspired you, or were you just kind of traveling and then decided to stay, or how did it work? Well, I do have, like, a huge gypsy blood. It's really funny, because I listened to myself uh, not so long ago, a 19-year-old version of myself uh, uh, recording, and I, and I said, like, no, you know, somebody said I should teach, and I thought maybe I should, but really, I have too many things to see, too many places to go. So I think I always wanted to travel and see... Uh -huh. Uh, other places. I always wanted to do that. So that's like part of the dream that I've managed to achieve. Um, and yeah, I was, like I said before, um, I was a little bit pissed off, not a little bit, but very angry. Uh, and I felt a little bit inhibited in America. Mm. Like, uh, it was all about the mainstream. Uh, I think it was actually less about the mainstream in some areas than it is now. Right now, it's worse than it was like in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, I think to some degree, I think like even in the 80s and 90s, you know, I was in Chicago in the 90s, I think that there was a huge like alternative culture mm -hmm. that was going on, or at least I was a part of one. You know, back in that day, we were already talking about me and my compatriots about black enough and what that means. Um, not feeling as if we fat fit into the black community, quote unquote, with the rest of the Afrobots, or, or the black box, <laughs> the black box, or 
or within the European Caucasian community. Mm-hmm. Even though some of us sometimes felt more comfortable, perhaps in a more mixed environment, we also were always uh, exposed to typical racism, like like you do here in a way too. Can I touch your hair? I'm being fine. Right, you know right. things that are just um, stereotypes that people are still. Now I realize now we've got like Afro punk movement, mm-hmm. you know, which I think that the people of my generation actually made the place for that Afro punk thing to exist. If you know, you, you guys. Yeah. No, we we don't, and I'd like for you to uh, uh, just give a, a brief uh, idea to the listeners what that is, what Afro punk is, and also because we haven't covered it yet or spoke about it yet, what is it that you do? Okay. So that we'll, well have an understanding. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, okay. Just good. quickly, Afro punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, when we're Afro punk is kind of an organization that has alternative music and alternative styles, and you have a bunch of black people who like to do like punk music and rock music. Mm. And right now, we have dreadlocks and haircut and mohawks and and <laughs> tattoos and piercings all over. We're very much, they have that a niche now. It's kind of become very fashionable to be aesthetically Afro. Afro. Yeah, mm-hmm. aesthetically Afro. But it's really Afro-punk. But it's really cool because it gives like other people a voice that wasn't allowed mm. to exist before. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up as a punk, punk hippie, hippie punk, uh, I was ostracized because of that. Mm. So it's cool that that's happening, but at the same time I find that it becomes more of a fashion statement than a oh, actual okay. movement. With the politics behind it. Me, I'm an interdisciplinary artist. At base, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm a writer who likes to use different mediums to express uh, what it is, that my narrative, different narratives. Um, uh, I'm a realizator, filmmaker. Uh, I mix mediums a lot. I'm a musician, um, singer-songwriter. I do not sing any songs that I haven't written. Sometimes mm. it pisses me off that people say, hey, do you want you to put a voice down on my song? And I'm like... And we've got lyrics for you. He's like, I don't do that. I don't <laughs> okay. say other people's lyrics. So yeah, I've been a published writer. I've had work exhibited all over Europe. Um, done many artist residencies and have work also shown in like South Africa. Uh, done work in Senegal, um, Vienna, and Europe, um, Berlin, Eastern Europe. I've had the good uh, chance with the groups in Zile to tour all over the world. Uh, with this band uh, since the year 2000, we've been uh, playing together. Oh my goodness. And okay. uh, I am the lead singer since that time. And yeah, again, like uh, I write everything that I, mm-hmm. I, I uh, all the words that I sing, because that's, you know, my, my main thing. I'm a little bit of a storyteller. I have a political impetus, stereos behind the stuff that I do. Um, but it's not always just about politics, but it is about, but everything mm-hmm. that I write is political, like the personal is political. Okay. So you have a solo project that you're working on now. Yeah, Can you yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, a solo project is like a album, a concept album. But um, I've decided because things are going really slowly, I'm going to do the music part first. But it's called. Uh, I don't really want to say the name of the album right now. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's really based on something that I've been uh, been a part of me for a long time, and it's incorporating the blues. It's got a very blues, strong blues element, both in narrative and sound. Um, the music is puto, uh, more so uh, like a trip-hop, electronic uh, slam with blues undertone. And for me, I think uh, without me really knowing it, I've always been in, 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 um, influenced by 
blues spirits, those blues women, those singers, because mm. the blues women were the first women, uh, women of, of African descent. At this point in time, in the 20s, uh, and just before that, slavery was just finished. So suddenly you had freedom of movement, you know, heavy expression mm -hmm. and a big movement. And these women were travelers. They got on the train, they, they went in cars, they, they, and they, they did their own music. So and they spoke about whatever they, they really spoke, spoke very about. freely and open mm -hmm. and honest about everything. Exactly, and that includes um, uh, homosexuality. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people don't realize it, but uh, I can't remember the, the woman's name at the moment. Bessie Smith? Not Pat Bessie Smith, it's uh, another one. Ah, ah, that makes me angry when it doesn't come. It's like pressure <laughs> in the brain. It'll come back later. But there's one blue singer which, uh, you know, who sang completely about that, you mm -hmm. know, overtly. And this is the kind of thing that we kind of lose uh, over time and through history, this kind of stuff, where we keep, right. we keep reinventing the will. Exactly. Exactly. Will, but there were radical people, more right. radical than a lot yeah, of people mm -hmm. consider themselves yeah. radical mm -hmm. today. There. So I'm push, pulling from that, and um, the idea was to create seven songs with one video of seven chapters, which would mm. also be uh, a narrative. So okay. um, that's the concept part of it. Well, you've always fascinated me um, with your ideas in experimental filmmaking, and it's such a rarity. Um, you just don't see that many black women in experimental film. I mean, I've like tried to find people, and it's like, wow, I already know, I, the people I know are the ones that are doing it, you know. And and you've been working on these concepts of Afrofuturism and a lot of these ideas for many years. Um, I just, I just was curious if you could um, tell us how people could find out more about that type of stuff that you've done mm -hmm. and the fact that now Afrofuturism is becoming popular in the, mm -hmm. in the U.S. and um, how you connect with it and, um, you know, how it relates to your work. Um, finding work that I do is uh, you have to go uh, onto my uh, website and I'll, I don't have it in my head. I've got mm -hmm. a, a Facebook page and I've got a Tumblr page. The Tumblr page will give you links to all of my films, all of my writings, and all of my a lot of my music. Mm -hmm. So by that you can you can catch some of the the some of the experimental stuff that I've done. A lot of it, you know, to be honest with you, I'm really really crap at um, uh, putting my stuff up. <laughs> this, is, this is the Tumblr page. Yeah, it's just your name, Jamika Adjuman. So well, could you guys spell that for for the listening audience so they can access it? J M, I'm sorry, J A M I K A, Jamika, Ajalon, A J A L O N. Okay. And then you have, um, there's a Tumblr site, a new site that has the videos and essays and everything on it. And also a Facebook page with the same name. Yeah, Jamika Ajalon okay. is a okay. Facebook page, and I have a, a um, an artist page. So okay. So Jamika Ajalon, uh, artist, you find it. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, all of my work, including some of the first things, like uh, the thing, first thing we did together, uh, Nikki, who came to Urban Alien to make a speech with you, I'm a daughter, it's my mother, and I got her being American, that Chuklao, that Pesai, we did that together. Um, I always felt that, I mean, I was connected to Sun Ra before most people actually kind of knew, and um, I think that I always felt kind of like I did actually come from outer space. When I was a kid, I oh, used to, okay. to, to do like look up in the sky and say, where is my home? Because I felt so... <laughs> 
displaced. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like I knew people who could understand where I was coming from until I left home and I met people like Nikki. Okay. You know? Um, and I still do a lot of work with this kind of stuff. Like, I'm working on a project for a long time. I do a lot of, like, uh, what do you call them? Um, I call them anti lectures, audio visual anti lectures, where I use visual loops, uh, sounds, and uh, a mixture of lecture and performance. Um, prose and poetry mm-hmm. to, to speak on different subjects and I often place uh, women of color in the center and, okay. and talk about how they are like the vanguard of Afrofuturism and uh, I call them the uh, archetypes of resistance, fugitive archetypes of resistance, the totems of that because of being black and being women uh, having to speak many different languages you know being intersectional on those two levels um, it's as if you have to, to develop different languages and different type languages in terms of parole in order to negotiate yourself within this uh, monocultural society. Now, by virtue of that, we are already very fluid and all we're already out there. If we can own it, and that's mm. the thing. The, the mm. thing is to about claim it, the claim the power. Mm. Exactly. When you become a- agents, then you realize how much you actually have. And so I speak to that. And I do things like I'm working on this project for a long time um, where I want to do a, a graphic novel with it, but uh, also use other kinds of mediums of expression on Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman being, to me, one of the most out there women. Can you imagine this woman? Most of you know who she is, but let me just lay it down to you. This woman had narcolepsy, and she never lost a single person. Right. No. She, she just go to sleep for hours. It's <laughs> like I had a vision, you know. And yeah. also, she was able to hide in plain view, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it's something. Kind of visible. Yeah, and I think it's something as people of color, as women of color, and men of color too. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're in danger as a woman, you know, you're living in a society which, by and large, can go out at night in a short right. dress because right. you learn how to to navigate to, to navigate mm-hmm. all of that. So I, I wanted, I'm working on a thing where she becomes a, uh, where I have a character who's like a, a present-day uh, futuristic Harriet Tubman that guides people across their own uh, frontiers, their own boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on different, uh, playing around with that for a while, and sometimes I, I, I create uh, more academic narratives to, to speak to these ideas that I've just spoken to you about. Wow. Okay. So going into the philosophy as well as going into the fantasy or the yeah, imagination, yeah. like weighing those two ideas. Exactly, because in fact, the imagination, you know, we're so used to taking white uh, philosophy for granted or, you know, some kind of a, the things that are like condoned by good, great canons and universities and stuff like mm-hmm. that as the thing that is right, the right. truth. When in fact, I can think of one perspective, and also I could think of times when my grandmother would say things that are more profound than Mm. Nietzsche or Derrida Mm. or any Mm. of these people Mm -hmm. have ever come up with. Or she says it more succinct. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Brings it to the neighborhood, right? We have ancient knowledge in our, in our, in our, in our, in ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I resist saying melanin because then that brings up a whole nother thing. (laughs) It's in ourselves, you know. Right. I believe and when you say cells, you mean C L L S, not selves, S E L V E. No, just no, so that they cell, that. Yeah, cells. Like uh, we carry memory in our cells. We mm-hmm. carry the memory in in our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, our heart 
water carries memory. Our body is made of majority of water. So what we are, we have a, like memories that we don't even are conscious of. Access. Yeah, that we're not conscious of. Mm-hmm. But we access somehow because mm-hmm. somehow we find ourselves doing things that how do we know how to do that? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Especially when you become free enough to allow yourself to be connected when time really hit you now. Connected yeah. to everything that is around you, you know. Yeah. yeah, you had said something earlier, I think it's also very important, and that is that um when you listen to sounds or 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 other people or whatever whatever the case might be, and you hear something that you not necessarily have heard before, but but you have, yeah, <laughs> but exactly. not with your ears, yeah. things you haven't seen with your eyes. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's so important to understand that we are all connected in that regard, but some of us are not able because of whatever boundaries we set up ourselves to access all that information. Exactly. I, and I'd like to know how, and, and both of you, this is speaking to both of you, how do you guys, uh, uh, like you, you, both of you have, you have already done a piece on Harriet Tubman. An orchestra piece, as a matter of fact, magnificent piece, and uh, and you're working on something right now. Yeah. How are you guys feeling connected to Harriet Tubman and able to <laughs> pretty much convey what it is that she was doing and saying, and 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 you know what, what was going on back then, you know, with a, a black woman, you know, and you guys today doing the, pretty much the same thing because listening to, to 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 both of you, you know, I'm 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 feeling I have a sense of leaving slavery and becoming free. Sitting here right now, I'm real serious about that because I think there's so many so many things that hinder us from, from hearing the truth and so many things we've been inundated with from, from society that tells us one thing and then when we hear something else, we're like, wow, what is that? What is she talking about? Is she crazy? <laughs> so just tell me how, how that connection is for you and, 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 and what, you're, what you're doing about it. You wanna start? It was just very intuitive. And, you know, I think that's what it is about trust. I mean, it's about developing a relationship of trust with your creative source, you know, um, because nothing is really new. The stuff that Mm -hmm. we connect with and express through our art is not, it's not that we created it from nothing or that we discovered it even. It's something that's been here and accessible to those that, you know, want to connect with it. So, I know that sounds very mysterious. <laughs> not <but> really. <laughs> no, it's not at no. all. I agree with you. It's another source. It's source of this. The, the creative, the creative is not like uh, something, the creative is there. It's like, mm-hmm. and it's just about tapping into it, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, on a more material level, when I first read about her, the more I knew it, I had this huge book. Yeah. Okay. On her, and the more I read about her and how she was like, she basically won the Civil War. She helped win the Civil War. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, for the to lead a military operation yeah. in the U.S. Why? Why do people not know that? Right. She never got paid for her job. Mm-hmm. You know? Afterwards, she you know she didn't get paid for that. She died broke. Mm-hmm. But every moment, every bloody moment of her life, she was working at the, for the service of others. And I think that also something that connects to me because um, I really studied Buddhist philosophy mm-hmm. and tried to. Um, Try to live it, you know, and, and it's not about being a part of a specific sect, but if you look at uh, Harriet Tubman, what she was doing is basically comes from that kind of philosophy. You could say it's Christian, but I prefer to say Buddhist, because mm-hmm. really, she was always putting other people before herself, mm-hmm. and she was um, always collecting money and going, also she was a storyteller. 
Like she knew how to tell a story, and she knew how to tell a story so that it would not be reinterpreted uh, badly. You mm -hmm. know, she she put lots of codes inside of the things that she was talking about. She couldn't write because most slave people were mm -hmm. coming, she couldn't write. She knew how to tell a story, and she knew how to put codes inside, and she knew how to tell it so the person who was translating it couldn't take too many liberties. Oh, and then, okay. then there were people who would read it, who know the codes, and, and know would, what to do would, from what she said. Know what to do from what she said. I understand that she was talking about other things also mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. inside of her work, and I think all of that also connected me. And it's going to sound really dippy dippy, but you know, <laughs> uh, meditation kind of stuff, meditational work. She kept coming back to my head. Mm. She kept coming. She right. kept saying, mm -hmm. mm, "You know, mm. yeah, her voice definitely that. needs to be continued to be mm -hmm. and and heard in a way that's not like this." Textbook stuff. For little kids. Yeah, that's all kids. Yeah. Little kids, I'm not. I'm no, I mean, the only education you ever really learn about Harriet Tubman is when you're in kindergarten. Oh, they okay. Little, they have little books about mm -hmm, her then, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you never hear, like, learning history as a high school student who studies Harriet Tubman. Okay. You know, okay. Or even in college, it's just. Overlooked, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Another another question I have for both you guys, and that is, uh, who assigned you to this task? <laughs> this task of 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 of, of uh, allowing others to hear your your um, take on the things that have happened in history and that are the things that are going on today that are not as they should be, and the need for a change. Do you feel somewhat obligated to put this out, or I mean, the work that you're doing? Do you feel obligated to put it out? You and if so, it, who you know who hired you guys? You know what it makes me think of like <laughs> Tamika and I both were interns at Third World Press for yeah. a little while. Okay, and our first, that's the black publishing company. Yeah, yeah it's like okay. the oldest running black publishing company in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and one of our first tasks was to read all the manuscripts coming into the press of people mm. who wanted to be published. And we realized that most of these books were kind of in three categories. And most of them were in the first category, which is reflection on their own life. Mm -hmm. You know, that was like the biggest category. And usually it was a perpetuating sort of thing. We saw, oh, people write about this stuff and then people just keep doing the same. They talk about their problems and the problems just keep happening and people keep repeating these same problems. Mm -hmm. Then there was a few people who felt a sense of purpose that, you know, black history isn't being remembered. And so let's let's focus on making sure that we're aware of these great things like Harriet Tubman, mm -hmm. you know, for example. And then the last thing was the visionary writers who were trying to give us a vision of what things could be and that was the smallest category and that's something that I feel that Janika does with her work and she still connects people with their own personal story and with our history with a new vision you know mm -hmm. and so I think you know I don't want to take liberty but I think that this is something that has been important to both of us. Yeah, I got a big smile on my face. <laughs> I mean, it is really cool. It's good. And you know, I feel quite um, emotional. Mm. <laughs> because sometimes I do feel a little bit ostracized since I haven't lived in the States for a, for a while. Mm -hmm. And I see some of the stuff that's going on. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I try not to get into that sort of resentful boat where I'm like, I did that already. Mm, I did that. Mm. I'm like, I, 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 yeah. I, no, yeah. But 
I'm here for a reason. It messed up from the beginning okay. because I'm a I'm a, a child of the creative, mm-hmm. and there's I feel as if I've, I'm one of the people who has a voice that is um, can tell stories and tell things uh, that isn't in the mainstream that we never hear about or we hear about very rarely. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's there there are people who existed, like I said before, in the twenties who come from this kind of alternative quote-unquote alternative uh, space mm-hmm. who are experimenting and talking about even James Baldwin, for example. Okay. Even though he's more well-known and he's a bit more inside of the canon, if you really look at a lot of his work, he's talking about stuff that people wouldn't touch. Mm. The mm-hmm. the whole black power people were like kind of stuck in black power, which was necessary for that time, but it was also very limiting. Right, you know? right. So I don't think anybody, I think, you know, if I was to, if I was a Christian, I'd be like, God, I thank God, I thank my mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? I did mm-hmm. grow up in that vein, but I think that there's a, there's a spirit force that um, calls on everyone if okay. you're able to okay. listen. Okay. To to live, you don't have to be a quote unquote artist, even though I think everybody is creative. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can call on everyone to to find that truth and to speak that truth, not speak a truth that someone else right. told you told you to mm-hmm. speak. Or speak a truth that you think fits inside of this kind of popular box, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but like an honest, an honest thing, you know. I think okay. that's wow. This is this is a KUCI eighty point nine FM in Irvine, and uh, I'm just so so pleased and so. I mean, I just feel so fortunate to be in your presence. I'm I'm, I'm real serious about that. And uh, I think it's so, so very important that the, uh, that the audience get an opportunity to hear from both you guys in regard to what's really going on and what you're doing to address what's going on, you know. And it, it, it was something that, you know, you, you, you talk about uh, uh, being here in this country and hearing things about what's going on in the country you came from. And it, and and it, it, it sometimes a guy told told uh, told me once he said Calvin you're moving so slow you look like you're walking backwards you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not having not been there, they couldn't possibly get. Yeah, also, yeah. Not even, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so this, I mean, this is just such a wonderful opportunity. And 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 whatever you guys have heard, I hope you understood it. And if you didn't, just put it on the shelf, and later on you will understand it. But for now, we just want to get these two young ladies to just leave a little something with us that we can kind of. Uh, think about something we can just think about. Nicole, you got anything? There's more than thinking. Okay. <laughs> Jamaica. Uh, hmm. If you look around you and things don't look the way you want them to look, change the way you look. You guys, thank you so much again for giving me an opportunity to be involved in this interview. Thank you. Thank you, really.
There was no one here that I could speak with who I felt could really understand my sensibilities. Because in order to really understand another's feelings, you have to have experienced them. Jamaica provided that opportunity, and it was disheartening to hear, yet somewhat fulfilling to recognize that my intuitive sense of racism and its inherent ramifications were echoed by her experience both here
You know, all we can do is 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 look at the outside appearance and and make our own presuppositions and our our own have our own opinion of what's going on. But we can't know because we're not them. 